2, going through Philippians chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Philippians chapter 2. I've been waiting three months to get to this verse. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you don't have a Bible, keep that Bible. It's a gift from us to you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as, not as in my presence only, but not now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I've waited three or four months to preach on this verse. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse, that means twisted, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, bless, bless this word, Lord. I just pray it right into all of our souls. Father, by your spirit that that would happen this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So again, middle of verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Christmas is all about Jesus bringing salvation. It says work out your salvation. So as far as I'm concerned, this is a, as good Christmas verse as any verse out there. Christmas is all about Jesus bringing salvation. Bringing who salvation? You. Jesus brought you salvation. Now last week my son Sam taught on the birth of Jesus, Matthew one twenty one says, uh, he, he, he spoke on that among other verses. Um, you, can, you can leave that down. Wenley, you can leave the verse down. Joseph, in shock, no doubt distraught, that Mary, the woman he was betrothed to be married to, was pregnant, even though he had never touched her. So he decided to put her away, to put her away privately. 
But an angel appeared to him and told him that what had been conceived in her was by the Holy Spirit. And he said this to him. We can have it now, Wenley. We have this verse. It says, Mary will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Listen, Calvary Chapel, your sins destroy you. Your sins ruined your soul. They brought ruin on your soul. They caused you to be put underneath a certain judgment of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that because of your sins, you became a child of God's wrath. Meaning you became the subject of, the, of wrath and, and judgment of God. At Christmas, we remember that Jesus came bringing salvation. Salvation from what? The judgment of God. Of which all of us were under. One of my favorite verses, it was quoted at Easter, not Christmas, but it says, good a Christmas verse as any, it's from Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 9, it says this, behold, this is speaking of Jesus, written 500 years before Jesus was born, behold, your, your king is coming to you, he is just and having salvation, Lowly and riding on a donkey. It was a borrowed donkey, by the way. But when he came, he came uh, into Bethlehem. He came having or carrying salvation. And so how do we get this salvation? We're told in Romans 10, verse 9. It's a very familiar verse, or it should be to all of us. How do you get this salvation? Jesus brings it. How do you get it? Well, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, meaning you're no longer your own Lord, you're no longer your own king, you're no longer your own master, Jesus, it's you, I'm done with being my own Lord, your Lord, if you declare that with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, meaning you, you believe that Jesus came to live for you, die for you, and rose again for you. For you, if you believe that, you will be saved, the Bible says. Now notice in this verse, let's keep it up there. Can we keep up the verse? Thank you, Winley. Uh, now notice in this verse what the requirements are, being, are to be saved. One, uh, I see two, one is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, he's your master. The second is to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I see those two requirements and those are the only requirements I see to be saved. It's about believing. Notice in this verse, there's nothing about your goodness in this verse. It does not say, if you are good enough to be sa good enough, you will be saved. That's not what the verse says. It does not say that. It doesn't say, if you are good enough, you will be saved. It does not say, say that. In fact, um, earlier on in Romans, it does say this in Romans chapter 3. 
Can we have Romans chapter three, verse 12? There is no one who does good, no, not one. So if you strolled in here this morning thinking that you're a, a do-gooder, uh, uh, well, the Bible says, in the eyes of man, that may be true. In the eyes of God, all are goodest, sorry, English teachers, best acts are, 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 are good deeds are tainted just by our own false motives or bad motives. There's no one good, not even one. And therefore we are saved by grace. We're, we're, uh, salvation is a gift. A little later on in Romans in chapter six, it says this, for the punishment of your sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now a gift, you don't, you don't, um, you get a gift, you don't pay money for it. It's a gift. You don't, we don't try to pay God by being good enough. We can't be good enough. It is a gift that we receive by faith. Salvation is a gift. Christmas is about Jesus. He is the gift giver. He's the salvation giver. The famous verse in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, by grace you have been saved through faith, it is the gift of God, not of works, meaning not by your good works. Okay, so where am I going with all this? Well, let's get back to verse 12. Verse 12 of chapter two of Philippians say, says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as not as in my presence only, but now how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? What does it mean, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Does that mean that we need to work and work and work and work hoping that if we work hard enough, God will give us salvation. Can someone shout it out? No. No, it, so it, it doesn't mean that, and we just went through all the verses why. You cannot, no one can work hard enough to have salvation or to merit salvation. So what does it mean then? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and why on earth would Pastor Steve be waiting three months to preach on this verse? Hmm. Well, this is what it means. It means that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he gives you salvation you receive the Holy Spirit the moment you say, yes, Jesus, right then. The Bible says you receive the Holy Spirit as a seal guaranteeing what is to come, Ephesians 1.13. You receive the Holy Spirit as a permanent possession at the moment of your salvation, and for the first time in your light, you have the light of God in you. Never believe anyone who tells you every human being has the light, like the light of God in them. It's just 
not true. The Bible says specifically over and again, that's not true. It says this though, it says to as many who believe Jesus, to them he gives the right to become children of God who have the light of God. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says this. Can we go, it's a little down a little bit more. Ephesians 2, 8. You were once darkness, but now, not not, now, sorry about that, you are light in the Lord. You were once darkness, now you are light in the Lord. Now, here's the problem. When you're first saved, you got so much baggage in your life covering up the light, the light in you is barely visible to the world. I have never met even one new believer where the light of God is just clearly coming from them. It's impossible. It doesn't happen. Jesus accepts you into his kingdom just the way you are with all your baggage, but your baggage initially, when you come to God, covers up the light. What baggage might I be talking about? Pride, bitterness, selfishness, anger, envy, greed, lust, a critical, unloving spirit an argumentative spirit, selfish ambition, hatred, impatience, idolatry uh, idolatry to drugs, idolatry to alcohol, idolatry to pornography, cursing, dirty jokes, coarse jesting, baggage. So, unquestionably and undeniably, As soon as you make Jesus your king, you have the light of God in you, but your baggage is covering up most of the light. Not all of it, most of it. So when verse 12 says, listen, pay attention, so important, work out your own salvation, what it means is work out, get out, kick out, cast out, rip out, tear out, throw out, All that baggage that's preventing the light of salvation from shining out to the world. Your salvation is characterized by light. By the way, light and love, almost interchangeable. No light if there's no love. The love of God in you is what... uh, is, is why the, the, the light shines forth. But, but your salvation is characterized by light. Look down in verse 14. We read it this, mornings, this morning. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So at Christmas, 
People put lights on their Christmas trees. They put lights on their houses. They, many cities put lights on the street poles. I love all that stuff. I'm a sucker for all that stuff. Uh, but what is distinctly and uniquely Christian is for you. <laughs> During Christmas, for your light to shine, the light of God in you. So I can think of nothing more important. Work out your salvation with fear and trauma. Get the baggage out so that the light can shine forth. So in other words, you are, as corny as this may sound, your Christmas lights. You are Christmas lights. I'm not big on titles. I, I title a, a sermon like once every 10 years, but uh, maybe I should have done a title of it. But, but, but you are Christmas lights, not the kind you buy at Target or Costco. I guess now everything's online. But, 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 is it, but the kind of light that is coming within you, you receive the light of God at, the, at that point that you said, yes, Jesus, come in. Bible says Jesus knocks on the door of every unbeliever's heart. I want in. Anybody who lets them in, but only when they say, yes, you're in, but you can have everything. An absolute surrender. He comes in, you have a light, and Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are the light of the world. So again, when it says in verse 12, work out your salvation, it means work out, get out, kick out, cast out, rip out, tear out, throw out all the baggage that is preventing the light of salvation from shining through. Okay, you say, Pastor Steve, I get it. I understand what it means when it says work out your salvation. It means making the light of my salvation grow by working sin out of my life, which is a year process of years, more on that later. But what does the fear and trembling mean? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. Well, let me begin by saying this. doesn't mean, oh, I got this greed in me. Oh, I just, oh, I'm just terrified of what God's going to do. I'm a greedy person. I just can't help it. I'm greedy. That's not what it is. As the worship leader, Dan, said, the theme of the book of Philippians is what? Shout it out, everyone. Joy. One more time. Joy. Philippians 3.1 says this, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4.4 4 says, what? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So then what does Philippians 2.12 mean? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? It means this. A Christian who is working out their salvation, and let me just say this. Christian, when you are working out your salvation, in the process, if you're doing it right, 
you're going to begin to see your sin for what it really is. It's a monster. Your sin is a vile, ugly, putrefying monster. Do you know what putrefying means? Smells really bad. Your sin is an ugly, vile, putrefying monster. When we are saved, when we ask Jesus in our life, in the eyes of God, we're perfect because he now sees Jesus in our life. We've asked Jesus in. But until we die or Jesus comes back to get us, we still have sin in our life. And your sin, Christian, is indescribably foul. It's a monster. That sin in your life is what put the eternal Son of God on the cross, gasping, groaning, crying out, my God, my God, why have you cut me off? Why have you forsaken me? That, that is why your sin's a monster. Your sin did that. Do you know that? Your sin is a monster. And you with fear and trembling should be going to God, working it out. Now in my experience, people trifle at sin. And I've been as guilty as any. Oh yeah, I, I got so little patience. Oh, silly. Oh yeah, I know, I just get angry when I'm out in the road. Someone cuts me off. I just flip them the middle finger. Then I say, oh God, how do, ow. You know, and, or, or, or yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I, I, I got jealousy. I got covetousness. Man, I see a Tesla driver. I, I just covet, ooh. It's not funny. It ripped open the back of Jesus Christ. He was scourged by a Roman flagellum, four leather cords filled with little iron bits and glass bits. We do not know how many times that he was struck on his back. We do know this. He was, the Jews prohibited by law more than 39 lashes, but Jews didn't whip him. Romans did. They didn't have laws like that. Your sin's a monster. I stopped laughing at my sin a long time ago. I stopped bragging about it. Oh yeah, that time I got wasted with my friends before I was saved. <laughs> that drove a spear into Jesus' side. That ridiculous nonsense that I did. The point is, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's going before the Lord and crying out, Lord, you see this. You know how ugly it is. Please, Lord, I want to get rid of it. So fear and trembling. If you're taking notes, take these three notes. 
Why do you fear? Why do you tremble? Because your sin, that sin that you have, and it's not dealt with, and you know what it is, if it persists over time, it will cause every last drop of the Holy Spirit joy to be drained out of you. And so with that, that is a reason to work it out with fear and trembling. Oh, how many Christians I've met, 20 or 30 years into their walk, their joy is gone. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Your sin, that sin, you know what it is, undealt with, that persists over time, will cause God, your Father, to discipline you. Because he loves you, Hebrews chapter 12, and he, he disciplines, he disciplines really hard with undealt sin. Over time, he does. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So important that you hear this one, Calvary Chapel. And you don't just immediately write it off. Your sin, that sin, undealt with, which persists over time, may be evidence that you were never saved in the first place. So you better be working on that thing with fear and trembling. In your case, it may be work your salvation in with fear and trembling. Now, I've shared this now several times with our church over the past year, where I had a kind of a crisis in my faith about 10 years ago, or 10 to 15 years ago. Actually, it was over a five-year period where it really was a really confusing because I would run into people who started their walk with God at the same time as me and I noticed there was no change in their life. They were still complaining like they did 20 years ago. They were still criticizing like they did 20 years ago. They were still uh, gossiping um, like they had uh, 20 years ago. A a, a lack of gentleness, a lack of self-control. Even though I knew these people, I knew they were in the Bible on a regular basis. They had a devotion time. I knew it. I knew that in a month. I knew they were in church. I knew they were out serving, even going on missions trips. But I tell you, someone crossed them the wrong way, just like 20 years ago. Now, this was kind of a crisis for me because this is my life, okay? And is, is, this not, is the Bible not true? And, and I know there's a couple verses, there's not a couple, many verses that make it clear that a Christian over time must continue to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So what in the world was going on? So like Proverbs chapter, um, I love this verse from Proverbs. Do we have this verse from Proverbs? 4.18. The path of the saved, actual verse is righteous, but there really is no difference. The path of the saved is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. As a Christian, each year you should be shining more than you did the year before. 
And then the promise in Romans chapter 8, 29 says this, whom God foreknew, meaning who he decided way long ago and chose long ago to be saved, meaning you, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. And I was thinking, what, what's going on? I, I, I don't understand. These people, a lot of the same issues, and some of those same issues hadn't even changed in me. Like, like what is going on? And so about 10 years ago, just by the grace of God, the Lord spoke to me really clearly about what was going on. The United States of America, the church, the evangelical church in the United States of America had taken the grace of God and used it and offered it to anyone who is willing to take it as a license to basically ignore verses like Philippians 2.12. Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Meaning, and so what do I mean by this? Well, we've been saved by grace, right? That means that all our sins, all of them, past, present, and future, they've all been forgiven. Hebrews 10 verse 14 says this, by one offering on the cross, Jesus perfected you forever. That's a Bible verse. That means all your future sins, forgiven. But what so many have done and what's become almost just commonplace in the church is the belief that you can look at a verse like Philippians 2.12, work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Ooh, I know that's what I should be doing. Sounds like a lot of hard work. I know it's a good thing to do. Thank God that the blood of Jesus has covered me because I, I can't do that. That just sounds like too much work. Thank God the blood of Jesus covers me. Or Luke chapter six, Jesus speaks this. He says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. Whoa, thank God for grace. That's never gonna be who I am. First Corinthians chapter 13, love... bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love suffers long, love is kind, love does not seek its own, love is not provoked to anger. Well, that ain't me, thank God for grace. I'm just gonna rest in the blood of Jesus. And I get it, there's some people out there, wacky nutsos that they get into a prayer closet and cry out, God, change me, change me, I hate this part of me. But I'm not one of those wacky people. 
Pastor Steve Cole, Calvary Chapel in the city. He's a wacky dude. I don't want to be like him. But verse 12, chapter 2 of Philippians 2 says what it says. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So let me tell you how the practical effect of this, of this faith, and I call it this, I call it, they bastardized grace. You know, grace has a child that's beautiful. The br- grace has another child that's a bastard. It's an Ill- illegitimate son. It, 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 it's not the real thing. It's created something um, terrible and ugly that, 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 looks, that, that, that people claim it's the real thing, but it's not. And, and let me tell you how this all works out. And I'm talking about people, whatever, 5, 10, 15 years into their face. They've, got their face. They've gotten rid of the obvious sins. They've gotten rid of the, the sins that are obvious. Uh, the cursing. I... I, I, I I lost my cursing on probably day one of my salvation. They get rid of the cursing. They get rid of getting drunk and getting high. They get rid of stealing. They get rid of porn. You're thinking, whoa, I mean, I thought that, those were kind of the hard ones. No, they're not. They're not. You want to talk about the hard ones. It's anger. It's unforgiveness, it's bitterness, it's pride. Those are the ones that hang around for decades. If you don't work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, it's not surprising to me, let's go back to Philippians chapter two, not surprising to me at all that right after he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, um, it says there, In verse 14, a couple verses later, do all things without complaining and disputing. You know, let me tell you, complaining and arguing. You talk about something that does not work out easily. Baggage, you come in to your salvation with baggage. You have a complaining spirit and an argumentative spirit. Now those two are, that's major baggage. People will not be able to, you're not gonna be no Christmas light being a complaining spirit, sitting around the water cooler at work complaining. You're just gonna be like everyone else. But when he's talking about Christmas lights here, he's talking about a person who doesn't complain and they don't argue. That's been worked out. Their salvation—they've worked out their salvation with 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 fear and trembling. Um, it, it, you know, you want to be a Christmas light someday, increasingly year to year. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And and you know, I'm running out of time here, but I was delighted to get a hold of this book, The Divine Conspiracy. It was recommended to me by another Calvary Chapel pastor. I read it four or five years ago with Pastor Eric. I recently finished it with a few of the guys in the church. It's Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. And basically, he lays out the whole thing. The first two chapters, his character is almost absent in the American born-again church because of people trusting in 
the doctrine of grace, taking advantage of it, doing as we read in Galatians chapter four, using liberty as an opportunity to sin. And so he goes through the whole thing and then he also, and then the first couple chapters are about the spiritual wasteland, which is the United States. The rest of the book is just about um, how to go through it. And it's just, he's such a loving, gentle man. I'm just, he, he, uh, he, he, there's a biography of him. It's another book called Soul Keeping. And he's just such a gentle man. But his, one of the things that he gets to is what I'm talking about here. When he started realizing the gunk, the baggage in his life that he had just been masking, he said, Listen, there's working out your salvation with fear and trembling. On page 356, he says, I never understood the, the importance of intensity. Intensity. How crucial it is for any progress. I did not understand the intensity which uh, prayer and the word must be done that the appropriate intensity was required for not small but lengthy periods of undistracted time. Moreover, I didn't realize that one's life as a whole had to be arranged in such a way to make this even possible. You must get to a place where you're not agitated, hurried, exhausted, a time where where you can have uh, intense prayer. And he says, in these places, and he's just talking about, you know, you go to Disney World, you have a vacation day for that. Well, if the Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, how about four or five days a year rather than just one day a year at Disney World? How about four or five where you are seeking God? Lord, I am done with this part of me that is so judgmental. I'm done with this part of me where someone walks the room and, and says the wrong thing and I snap at him. I'm done, Lord, here I am before you. Let me tell you, if on a regular basis you work out your, fear, uh, your salvation with fear and trembling like that, over time you will see change. Now, I will, I will tell you that there are some things in my life I've been working on multiple times a week for 10 years. 10 years! Just being an unloving person in certain situations. Why, Lord, am I still like that? But I still keep on going back. That's what it means to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's why there's so much emphasis on prayer in the Bible. Let me conclude with this. You're not on your own. You are not on your own. Look at what it says in verse 13. It says, in the previous verse, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. No one wants to see you shining like a Christmas light more than your gracious, loving, all-powerful Father. No one does. And for that reason, when you start getting intense, God's right there. 
to pick up that intensity and start working his character into your life. Or, or to start uh, working out the baggage that you have so that you can be a Christmas light. Again, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I like the Amplified version. It says this, Philippians 2.13. Both to will and to do, it's God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Did you know that you can delight the living God? God accepts you just the way you are. But he doesn't necessarily delight in who you are if over time you just sit on your hands and you refuse to work out that baggage. And, and you may say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like, why is he so into this? Why does he make it so hard? Well, well listen, <laughs> it's, he wants to know you. <laughs> he wants to know you intimately. And, and guess what? It's, it's as we get to know him and we seek him with intensity that, wow, we get to know him. I mean, courtship, marriage, do, does any man, does any woman really get to know their spouse without intensely seeking after a, a deeper intimacy? No. No. And, and, and for that reason, you know, we come in, we have a lot of baggage. We want to ignore the Lord. He wants us to work it out with him intensely. Not once every 10 years, on a regular basis. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. At this time, we're going to close in worship. I'm going to ask you to rise. We're going to sing a closing worship song. And I'm going to ask the prayer couples to come up if you've been... Um, if you have been asked to pray as a couple, I want you to come up at this time. I tell you what, you know, these, these verses provide so much encouragement to, to me. It, 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 it is God's good pleasure to work in me, both to will and to do. And, and then what, what, what does the Lord want with me in all this? That I shine as lights in this crooked and twisted generation. And that is his will and heart for you. So we have some people up here to pray. I'll be up here as well. If your heart has been stirred in any way, for, just for prayer. You have some question marks as, as to how to get this done. Or you just have a great desire to get this thing going. Or you've gotten it going and you're in a good place and you just want to praise God. You, you want to praise God with some, I'll praise God with you. But let's, let's, let's close out with prayers we usually do and... Do business with the Lord. We didn't come here just to study the Bible. We came here to have an encounter with God. Let's close the service with an encounter with the Lord. Father, I pray and thanks in Jesus' name for this time, Lord. And Father, I want to be a Christmas light.
And I want Calvary Chapel in the city to be a church of Christmas lights. It says, do everything without complaining and disputing, thereby being lights twisted and crooked world and Lord our world out there is dying and they need to see a light they need to see lights they need the light of God they need you Father as we close out this time show us into your heart show me into your heart your gracious loving abundant merciful heart I just pray this in Jesus name Seek your faith.